welcome to the Center Maryland podcast experience here, conference call, lobby podcast. We've been celebrating this thing we uh, we earnestly ripped off of all our dead fans and Jerry Garcia fans, which is just as there's a days between for uh, Jerry Garcia, we wanted to use the days between uh, Jim Rouse's April uh, death date and his birth date uh, to celebrate uh, all the cool, amazing things Jim Rouse did before they were amazing and, and cool. And, uh, and speaking of cool, my favorite, uh, disciple of Jim Rouse, Barb Nicholas said, Damien, you gotta have this guy, Jim Anderson on. He worked with Jim Rouse when he was, uh, at the enterprise, uh, development organization, uh, general growth properties at the Rouse company. He saw him at different stages of his life. Jim is a, a thriving real estate executive out of Chicago. Uh, Jim Anderson, thank you so much for joining our conference call podcast here on Center Maryland. Awesome. Good morning, Damian. Pleasure to meet you. And I'm so honored to be here to talk about this incredible guy. Yeah. So I grew up as the sort of a generation of kids whose parents were working at the Rouse company and really what became sort of its, its last day. So we, you know, we always knew of Jim Rouse as this towering mythical figure. And usually like at our youngest ages, we got to see him once in a while, but you got mm -hmm. to start your career with a guy, a developer, no less, yeah. or master planner, as they say on the cover of time magazine. What was that like? Well, it, let me give you the context, Damien. It's, it's very interesting. I grew up in Flint, Michigan, very famous American city that has had a lot of challenges and struggles economically, uh, et cetera, image-wise, et cetera. And um, after I graduated from college, I went to a small liberal arts college in Michigan, Albion. I graduated from Albion. I got back to Flint, and they were breaking the ground in downtown Flint for this new festival marketplace project that was headed up by Jim Rouse's enterprise development company. And through some connections I had in the community, I got the job, I got the marketing job. And I was like the first marketing guy on this, this innovative new festival marketplace that was going to really be a game changer for downtown Flint during that area. This was in the mid 1980s. This was this when is Mr. Rouse... Harbor Place had already been yeah. sort of done. Exactly. And, you know, Harbor Place, Faneuil Hall, and Quincy Market Boston, those were just, you know, the premier festival marketplace concepts that, you know, a lot of people knew about. And then Enterprise's focus at the time was going into these middle market communities like Flint, Toledo, Ohio. Norfolk, Virginia, Richmond, Virginia, Battle Creek, Michigan, and working with both public and private sector to, you know, come up with a new vision for the core of the downtown to really bring back the downtown experience for these communities. So I fell into this interesting job right when they were starting to tear down the buildings on the site in downtown Flint where this new festival marketplace, which was eventually named Water Street Pavilion. And um, it was during those development phase months and it really like about a year and a half when the project was built that Mr. Rouse was in and out of Flint quite often. And um, 
you know, just his vision, his, his manner and how he was inspiring and really energizing all of us about what we were doing and what the, the adventure we had started with this new concept for downtown Flint was really going to impact the lives and of so many people in the community and really help be a catalyst in bringing back energy that had left downtown and, and um, been gone for some time. So many people in the development business, master planning business, urban renaissance world, they, they come at it more mechanically and less with the vision uh, in, in my experience. How did Jim Rouse's big vision get kind of like distilled down into your interactions as people that were responsible for promoting or doing the day-to-day -day work? I just wonder how that, how did that get down to you? How did it feel coming to you? Did it feel like big vision? What, what, what was that? Oh, what was it like? Totally, totally. He was, as I said, he was the concept of the festival marketplace was a catalyst and rethinking, reimagining, repositioning, repurposing these downtowns. It was almost like, um, you know, Mr. Rouse looked at it as sort of like a blank canvas in many ways. Um, and we were, we were building on his philosophy that cities must be fun. You know, he was, he's quoted in, that's a famous quote of his that cities must be fun. And, whatever ought to be can be. That's another one of his favorite quotes. And so, you know, the team that I worked with, you know, we, I guess we kind of really drank the Kool-Aid and, you know, we, we loved what he was, um, what his message was and what his strategy was. And we embraced that from all angles, from the marketing side to the development side, to the leasing side, to the management and, and um, then when we grand opened the project in Flint and uh, right prior to that, there was a grand opening of Portside in Toledo, Ohio, which was a huge game changer for Toledo. So the, the Flint project came um, really about a year after the, the Toledo project opened. So a lot of people in that part of the country knew, you know, what was going on in downtown Toledo and they had seen this, you know, really successful grand opening of Portside. And so we were all really getting people fired up in, in down in the city of Flint about here's, here's what's coming to our own city. And, um, you know, I, back to your question, I think that, you know, he, Mr. Rouse really had that level of curiosity. I, I always remember that about him. You know, I just, I was new to the industry. I was right out of college and I looked at this very, you know, highly noted, person in the development world. Wow. He's, he's a curious guy. He's a big thinker. And, you know, he was, um, quite an inspiration and mentor, not to me, not just to me, but to many of us that were in the trenches, really working on those interesting projects. Now, what did you guys have any, uh, clever names for one another? We always hear like jokes about Rouseketeers, but what, what was that? <laughs> what was that culture of Roustum like? As, well, uh, you know, it, it was interesting. And I believe me, I heard, heard the Rouseketeer, uh, the reference many, many times. And so we, we kind of adopted that in the enterprise world, especially in marketing, because, you know, our job was to really curate, these amazing new festival marketplace projects that had, you know, a, this interesting mix of specialty tenants, um, different types of ethnic foods, you know, not the chain store type um, restaurants and retail that um, the, the consumers and 
at that time were used to with the suburban malls. And so we wanted to create this whole experience. And I think curating is the right word to use because we had a very special approach to everything we were doing in the marketing and events and programming and all those types of things. So to your, to your point, we, we really sort of adopted that Rouseketeer set of standards when it came to delivering those, those programs. One thing I got a, a kick out of watching was all the disciples, right? So I got to see the uh, amazing Barb Nicholas, who was like the general growth properties employee of the year, right? Or I, my, my first meeting in Chicago with general growth, I got, I got to be in the room with Tom D'Alessandro and, yeah, you yeah. know, it was just a amazing experience. And I think you all have this remarkable linkage about how you operate and you do business. I mean, there's people all across the country, you know, Steve Jennings, Greg Ham, there's Gabe Chung, who's at Howard Hughes now is at GGP, all these people. It's just an awesome network. Uh, and I think people have very similar virtues. What, what would you say those virtues were, are that connect all of the Rouseketeers, if you will, or all of the uh, Legion of Rouse fans? You know, for, for me, Damien, again, as a very first job out of college, it was, you know, to have a mentor like Jim Rouse was just an incredible opportunity. And I embraced that, you know, wholeheartedly because I knew that what I was learning from him and what he was sharing with us, it, it, it was going to be something I would take with me throughout my career. And I definitely have. And I know Barb Nicholas has. Barb's a longtime friend and colleague of mine. And she, we've talked about our experiences with, you know, working with Mr. Rouse and his vision, et cetera, uh, many, many times. And I think the, the takeaway for me is that, you know, Mr. Rouse really believed that people of all walks of life can be uplifted and made to feel important and appreciated through the environments that are created for them. And, you know, his, his vision for creating a new sense of neighborhood pride and, you know, being creative about how to change a neighborhood, change a downtown, you know, make an impact on, um, you know, a very broad, diverse audience of people in a community. You know, those are things that I, I really took to heart. And I think that um, in addition to enterprise development, what he was doing with the enterprise foundation at that time, you know, going into some very challenged neighborhoods in Detroit, Flint, et cetera, multiple cities, and really helping people that live there who wanted change to happen, he really helped make that happen. And so those are really, you know, even when I went on to a long career in the shopping center industry, and most recently in the skyscraper industry, I took a lot of that to heart because, um, you know, every day in that world, you're creating a new customer experience. And there's a, there's a sense of community, a sense of neighborhood creating new neighborhoods, you know, making that neighborhood energy come alive every day in those environments. And those are things that I think me personally, I took to heart uh, from Jim Rouse. How do, you, how do you think he did it without being, this is me asking, how did he do all of that sort of value engagement without being coming off preachy? You know, I mean, mm -hmm. or, you know, how did he come in as an outsider and tap into the energy that was in the community 
for change, but you know, he was, he, he, you know, he, he was sort of a, he almost became like a tool of the community or an instrument of the community versus, you know, a more sort of obvious development approach. Any thoughts on that? You know, I, I think he was such a humble guy. I remember like the very first time I met him, you know, he was wearing an old tweed sport coat and just very approachable and, you know, I, 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 my first meeting with him, I had um, been to a thrift shop and I'd found some old photos, some vintage photos from like the turn of the century of Faneuil Hall and Quincy Market. And I bought them for like a quarter and I have these old pictures. And I thought if I ever get a chance to talk to Jim Rouse, I want to share these pictures with him. And I, I had a few minutes with him and I had these pictures and he, he sat down with me and he was telling me all these interesting stories about how when he was, um, you know, envisioning the whole Quincy Market Faneuil Hall project in Boston, how challenging it was for him to, you know, um, talk to the financial partners to get the funding for the project. And they just didn't really understand the concept and would it really work. And I I think for for me, that type of personality that Mr. Rouse had about being approachable and being very humble and engaged with everything that we were doing and taking the time to meet with a young guy like me who was right out of college that really didn't know much about anything. And he, you know, saw in, you know, the strengths and opportunities that, that um, people could bring to the table, not only in the the company environment, but also in the communities that he was involved in, because there were many, many times that, you know, I saw Mr. Rouse kind of roll up his sleeves and on the Flint project, especially where, you know, he would sit down with some of the retail prospects that we were talking to. These were first time business owners. And um, many of them were minority business owners, you know, <clears throat> going in this amazing adventure that they were scared about because they'd never owned a you know food operation before or a retail operation. So he was the type of guy that could, you know, get the right people to help those people be successful, but also sit down with them and have a cup of coffee and just and talk the talk. And I, I remember that so well, just, I can just picture him sitting down with some people in the community, just with his sleeves rolled up. And, you know, he was, he was that kind of a person that was interested in what they were saying. And again, as I said earlier, he was curious. He was a very curious personality. Yeah. And I think like even people that, let's say less progressive people that were, you know, in Baltimore or in white Flint that, you know, were, where the whole inclusion conversation was not a natural first place for them to go. Even to those people who who took a little more coming around to on the, on the inclusion argument that was, uh, you know, so huge, for example, in Columbia, but even the country club Republicans or the, or the conservatives of the day could relate to that Eastern shore you know, uh, down to earth Marylander. I mean, he seemed to just have a personality and I think, I think you hit it with the, the humility that, that would, that could be very needed today in bringing people together, Mm -hmm. I guess is what I'm trying to say. And and Damien, I think too, that, um, the concept of a festival marketplace in a city like downtown Flint, downtown battle Creek, it was not a cookie cutter approach at all. I mean, there were, you know, enterprise would go into these cities that had a long neglected main business district, a long neglected riverfront or waterfront, and saw the potential of 
you know, here's a city that has really great bones that we could you know, really help come, you know, bring to life again with this concept of the festival marketplace. And so I think that people um, were so excited to see that happen, especially, the, you know, people who grew up in those cities and they watched the decay and they saw the, the, you know, just nothing happening for so long. All of a sudden, here's this guy of his prominence and his vision that, wow, we're, here's, here's a city that nobody thought would ever be recognized by somebody like Jim Rouse. And here he is right in our hometown and he's going to make this happen, you know? Yeah, I've, I feel like he is, uh, he's such a needed voice in this. I have a theory that if you ever watch this movie called The Founder about the Ray Kroc and McDonald's, mm-hmm. if you do the inverse of that and talk about all the virtues that inclusive capital can bring to the business and community alike, if you flip that around, I think there's a movie to be told. And I think, uh, I think maybe his grandson, Ed Norton could, uh, if, if we could pull the money, if, if you and me, Jim could pull the money together, we could get Ed involved and do the, uh, do the something called the builder, because I think he, you know, he, he brings people together and he would say now, like, look, what do we say about the, I, I bet he would say, Damien and Jim, you better stop talking about me <laughs> and the past yeah, and go yeah. do something big and important in the future. Yeah. How does that, uh, how does that sit with well, you today? I, I think you're right on. I write right on Damien because, um, when you look at it, just even like the last couple of years in our world and you know, how, um, the retail environment, the office environment, downtowns, every, everything has really taken such a hit during COVID. And, you know, in my current city of Chicago, um, the efforts being made to, you know, bring people back to the Chicago loop are really extraordinary. And they're, they're, we're going in a, this, this awesome direction. People are coming back downtown, the return to office um, trend is really is picking up. And, and so I, I think that, um, you know, a lot of those things that Mr. Rouse envisioned for that return of downtowns and the hearts of the cities that had been neglected for so long, they, they really, in a lot of ways are, um, important and, and tie into with the current scenario of American cities right now and cities all over the world as people are, are sort of coming out of that working from home environment and getting back into their routine of, you know, celebrating their city, getting back into their workplace and in a routine, et cetera. But I also think that um, when you look at the placemaking, you know, back when Mr. Rouse was developing festival marketplaces, I don't think the term placemaking really existed, but in in a lot of ways, he he was, he was a placemaker, you know, he, he was, um, you know, looking at the opportunities for, placemaking strategies about creating spaces for social gatherings, live music, entertainment, farmers markets, art fairs, street festivals, all those types of things that today is, you know, a very relevant part of any type of retail development, office development. As I, as I mentioned, I just came off of a working on a huge project um, with the Willis Tower, the former Sears Tower in Chicago, it's just completing a big redevelopment. Literally and a huge project. Huge project. Yeah, it was 
complete. I have, was, was honored to um, work on that project for five and a half years. It was just incredible, led by uh, Blackstone in EQ office. And our team it's nice there, to have was, strong capital partners. I yeah, bet Mr. Rouse yeah, would agree. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I thought about Jim Rouse many, many times, Damien, over the five and a half years when I was involved with that redevelopment, because, you know, he, everything that he stood for and he spoke to and he delivered when, you know, in the, the years that I just described that, you know, it was very, a lot of it was very relevant in the office business that I was working to help, you know, reimagine and transform with creating neighborhoods in a building like Willis tower um, for the tenants with tenant amenities, gathering places, art design, um, food hall, all those types of things that wow. were, um, you know, it's, it's, it's just a, people work differently now and people There's are a food living hall in the former Sears tower. Yeah. At the base of the tower, it's called catalog at Willis tower. It's a nod to the Sears catalog, which was created and produced in that tower for decades. And um, so it's the projects completed, um, you know, check out uh, the website at Willis tower.com. It's pretty amazing what they've done. But as I said, I, I, was so fortunate that I had that early experience with a guy like Jim Rouse that it's taken me through many years in the shopping center industry. And then most recently, this pretty fantastic project in Chicago. And, and I think Barb Nicholas would agree too, that in the mall industry, Barb and I and our team, we worked on some very challenged um, retail developments that were Many of them were very far gone. They were, you know, the leasing, the occupancy, the vacancy, all that kind of stuff were issues. And, you know, a lot of times we would sort of go back to what Mr. Rouse envisioned for downtowns because a lot of those malls were the town square, the community destination in, in, in a lot of different markets. And so I think his philosophy, um, especially now as malls are sort of going through re- positioning strategy. What are we going to do with all these vacant malls around America? How can we repurpose them with, you know, mixed use, et cetera. I think a lot of what Mr. Rouse envisioned for downtown America can be incorporated into, you know, interesting plans and changes in that, in that space. Well, look out, we may drag you, uh, to our favorite town, the greatest city in America, Baltimore, because the festival marketplace is getting yeah, a, I a know. facelift there, right? I'm excited. So, uh, I saw that in the news. I was very thrilled to see that. And, you know, Damien, I think, to you know, the, the projects that I worked on and I described in Flint and Battle Creek and Toledo and Norfolk and Richmond, they, sadly, they didn't last long. However, I mentioned this earlier, they were really... I believe catalysts in helping to launch a lot more focus on what people really cared about in their downtowns and also show that, Hey, we've got this, we've got this amazing core of the city that is still viable and has a, you know, has opportunities for housing, you know, art, culture, green space, you know, economic development, all those types of things. So I, I really believe even though some of those festival marketplaces really didn't work long-term, they've been repurposed in a lot of ways. Like the, the one in downtown Flint was, has been repurposed as a student center for the University of Michigan, Michigan campus, which is uh, right adjacent to downtown. 8,000 8, students go to the University of Michigan Flint. And so the, the Water Street Pavilion Festival Marketplace 
was repositioned as for a whole new use. And I think Mr. Rouse would be pleased to see that. It's like, hey, it's, you know, times change, you know, people's needs evolve, communities change. You need to address those things and, um, you know, make those changes happen that are, that are going to be impactful for people long-term. Well, Jim, feel so blessed that you came on Center Maryland to share your experience. Uh, it's no wonder you're, you're one of the top real estate professionals out there uh, who having your first days getting to work with uh, an extreme legend in uh, Jim Rouse. So grateful to have you on. Where can people, uh, if they want to reach out to you, where can they hit you? Um, I'm Jim Anderson on LinkedIn. Um, and, uh, I can also be reached on, uh, uh, my website or I'm sorry, my email address is, uh, JD Anderson, 1999 at yahoo.com. All right. Are you a Prince fan? I, yeah. <laughs> I, I used to live, <laughs> I used to live in Minneapolis too. And I worked in projects in downtown Minneapolis, but I, that's the year I moved to Chicago it was 1999. So, <laughs> Yeah, you are. I mean, you are. You've proven to be Chicago through and through. And uh, can't thank you enough for for joining us. And and seriously, look at that Meriwether Post Pavilion schedule. Love to to show you how Jim Rouse's uh, dream is is still alive and 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 kicking awesome. like no other in, in awesome. downtown Columbia yeah. and Baltimore. We'd love to I, have you come I love see Baltimore, Baltimore City. I, I think it's one of the greatest towns in America, and um, I think it's great. I remember going to Fells Point way back when I was going to meetings in Columbia, Maryland at the American city building for when I was working for enterprise, we, you know, have an adventure. I think think Jim Rouse's uh, son still have affirmed that right down there. So maybe we'll all have to, you know, we'll have to have, uh, uh, I can't believe I can say this about Barb Nicholas because she's 42 years old, but she's retiring. I know. I know. uh, So we got to have a party for her. I would love that. I would love that. And I, I, we got to have a party. Damien, can I just say one more thing? It's such an honor for me when I, yeah, when, I, yeah, yeah. when I do come to Columbia and to be able to walk down to see that sculpture of Mr. Rouse, you know, just like it, it really is very moving for somebody like me who was, I was so young and just starting my career and to, you know, see somebody like him immortalized that way in this, this statue down by the lake there, it's, it's really something to see. So he, he made an impact on my life as he, as he did you. for many others. I'll tell you a funny story about something like that. My friend, Rick Burt, uh, uh, you know, he's, he's like a mentor to all the most important people in uh, Maryland, you know, U.S. senators and mayors and governors and cardinals and archbishops. He was like Jim Rouse's campaign manager for the Harper Place Project. And he told me he went out there to Columbia meet uh, Jim Rouse about, you know, a matter that was pretty urgent. And Jim Rouse got so engrossed right out there in front of those statues. Uh, there's there's this green grass, and he was out there. He was getting so engrossed talking about this plan or vision that he had at the moment or the time that he didn't even realize that the water, uh, the water uh, sprinklers that popped up and started shooting across his leg. And that was a new dynamic then. Like they, they, my friend said he had never seen a, spark, a sprinkler pop out of the earth, let alone the developer be so engrossed in the conversation that he couldn't even, that it didn't even bother him when he just kept rolling through it. So and he had those like brown, uh, he said he had those brown sort of like khaki suit, you know, and, and it was yeah, just drenched yeah. at the bottom. So, uh, oh my gosh, <laughs> that's hilarious. That's hilarious. Jim, Thank you so much for uh, being with us today.
awesome conversation. Just an honor. Pleasure meeting you. Thank you so much. Be in touch. Okay. Thanks, Jeff. Awesome. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.